All right, I think we are live. Welcome, everybody. Let me just make sure that the live stream is catching up uh, and we have good audio and everything is going good. But I think uh, we have a few people tuning in. Audio levels are looking good. And uh, I got my test confirmed here. So if you guys want to sound off in the comments and let me know that you're here, that'd be great. Let me just turn on comments. Perfect. We're good to go. All right, guys, it is the December 2022 edition of the QA. My name is Dave. Thank you guys very much for tuning in to this. It is the highlight of my month. And I mean that it's one of the highlights of my month is to be able to come here and uh, go live and, and just kind of hang out and have a good time. So I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. I know we're running a little behind. Usually I like to do these at two o'clock, but uh, I had a couple other meetings run late and uh, yeah, it's just uh, kind of going up there. So the joys, the joys. So it looks like I got a couple people tuning in. Give me the thumbs up. Everything's looking good. So I appreciate it. Again, this is the 2022 December edition of the QA. And ironically, this is the last QA of the year, which uh, always makes me sad, but I love doing these live now because I like to interact with you guys. I like to read the comments. And uh, as always, I do take your questions via email as well. Speaking of which, if you want to see your question on the show, the best way is to email us. That email address is shown on the screen. It is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. You can email your questions into the show. I'll do my best to make sure sometimes one of them slips through like a spam filter or something, but uh, you can email and we'll answer them on the show. Otherwise, as always, you can tune in live, make your comments, go from there and, uh, you know, do all that stuff and interact. And you can obviously watch this on YouTube you can check out our webpage, gunsandtactics.com, or you can listen to this wherever you get your podcasts. So we definitely make an audio version as well, but I always love the live interaction. So first things first, I do want to say. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. I know it's a day after Christmas, but I hope you guys had a good holiday. And, uh, you know, obviously it was another interesting year for people. Uh, you know, it wasn't quite as bad maybe as previous years when we were going through like COVID and more economy stuff and whatever. But, uh, you know, obviously it's a, a, everybody's going through different challenges for different reasons. And, um, you know, there's a lot going on. So I do uh, hope everybody is doing well. I hope you had a good holiday. Uh, the holidays always go so quick. And, uh, last month, I know I wasn't able to go live because I was traveling and, uh, you know, I was able to still publish the video, but I missed the interaction and I'll be honest, like this month was super hectic. I was traveling three out of the four weeks, the first week in December, second week in December, third week in December, I was at different States, whether it was teaching or for a video thing. And it was a lot. Uh, it was a little bit too much to be honest with you. And, um, ultimately my family is the one who probably pays the biggest consequence for that. And I, I appreciate their sacrifice, but yeah, I'm happy to be home. I'm happy to be home with my family, friends, loved ones for the holidays. Um, that was the biggest present for me. So if you guys want to comment what the coolest present for you was, it doesn't even have to be something like for me right now, as I'm getting a little older in life, um, the presence of other people is the present that means the most. And, uh, you know, I think those are the ones sometimes we take for granted the most as well. So that being said, I do also want to give a huge shout out to the patrons that are supporting the channel, uh, our top level patrons. We have anybody that's a certain level, they do get a shout out. So I do appreciate Chad Kamingus, I hope Kamingus, uh, WA Guns, and then Kevin, uh, who was our top level patrons. 
If you guys do want to support the channel through the Patreon network, you can certainly do so. You can head on over to Patreon and you can search for guns and tactics. And we have different levels ranging from a dollar all the way on up, depending on how generous you want to be. And there are going to be different levels. Uh, right now, I'll be upfront with you. It is a slow process because we only have a few, but as we grow, we'll have a dedicated QA to the uh, patrons. We'll have more codes. We'll have more, you know, benefits and stuff as we kind of grow that as well. But uh, I do need to grow that a little bit more before I can, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. If you build it, they will come or do you wait to get a little base? I mean, that's always the big debate, right? So uh, as always, go ahead and sound off in the comment sections with your questions. Uh, we'll give a shout out to any super, th uh, super chat or super thanks as well. And then uh, I say we just kind of get right into it. So we'll start out with the, uh, the first question. Uh, hey, Rodney. Uh, hello. Appreciate uh, checking in. Merry Christmas, post Merry Christmas to you. Uh, afternoon, all from Pew Pew Peter, and then Degral. Afternoon, glad you guys were able to make it on the chat. I appreciate that and able to make it in the live stream. Uh, being that we don't have any questions in the comments, we'll just get started. Kevin, you sent a bunch of questions, which is always great. So we'll kind of go through these maybe a little quicker um, to you know, so we don't have the show going on forever. But, uh, you know, a lot of different good talking points. Uh, I left out, you know, some of the other background and stuff just so we can kind of get to the questions. But we'll just kind of run through these uh, from Kevin. What are some good instructor techniques to help someone that wants to overcome a bad experience they had with a firearm, such as a crime, et cetera? What can be done to responsibly handle these situations and help someone? And obviously, I think um, part of that as an industry, whether you're an instructor, whether you're an enthusiast, whatever it might be, is to just create a good image. So be friendly, be positive, be encouraging, but also be understanding and respectful because someone's perspective might be different than ours. And we look at a gun as a tool that we can use to help save a life, to help protect us. Uh, maybe it's for competition, you know, things like that. Those are all legitimate uses that we have. Um, however, not everybody might have those same perspectives. Someone might have an experience where their only experience was they were the victim of a crime where a gun was used against them or something like that. Uh, I've had that conversation. Uh, I was at a, a family-esque function, if you could say. And then once they found out I was kind of in the gun industry or whatever, uh, he basically told me, he's like, yeah, yeah. The only experience I had a gun was one pointed at my face when I was getting robbed um, in LA or wherever he was. So obviously it was a differently interesting to hear his perspective, but I think we need to be encouraging and we need to be respectful. And just because we disagree with somebody doesn't mean we have to be disrespectful. And that's uh, something that I think as a society and a whole, we're all struggling with right now. So uh, I think some of those issues are, are legitimate. Uh, the other part of your question, I uh, actually have a few questions here, but are there any influential people that helped you learn about firearms in a positive manner? Absolutely. Uh, I go back to, I, I give my parents a huge shout out for, you know, basically getting my brother and I involved with firearms at a young age, whether it be through the scouts or through the NRA juniors program. Now I have my issues with the NRA um, for a variety of reasons. I'm not necessarily like you know, for or against, do I wish they would do more? Absolutely. Like, do I think there's other great organizations that are doing a little bit more proactive stuff? Sure. That could be a whole nother topic in and of itself. But um, anyways, the NRA had this juniors program and I had um, obviously, again, my parents to thank because they got me in this, but then I had my coaches at a very young age. So Don and Vale, I don't know if, uh, if they'd ever come across this or not, but uh, they were probably, uh, as a youngster, very influential in, in getting my interest in firearms, but not only that, but encouraging me, uh, kind of giving me a little bit of a competitive drive 
to compete with the shooting sports, to get involved and to better myself. So I give those guys a, a huge shout out. And then as I got older, um, my college, my police academy, if you will, firearms instructor, Dave Rasmussen, uh, he was one of my first mentors. He kind of taught me what it was like to have a good quality instructor. And obviously at the academy level, there's a wide variety of, of talent and, and ability and instructors uh, where I've heard some other horror stories to where people don't have good experience. Or even now, uh, I have guys who teach at the academy level come through my classes and they're up front with me. They're like, I never knew this, or I, I never had that approach, or I never thought about it this way. So, But I was very fortunate that Dave, another Dave, but um, he was a, a phenomenal instructor, phenomenal shooter, but a phenomenal teacher. He cared for his students. Uh, he saw my interest and he mentored me and he gave me uh, a lot of extra attention, some opportunities. Uh, like I would say, you know, hey, can I hang out after class? I want to work on this. And he would spend time with me to help me improve my craft, but also then uh, give me some opportunity within the class as well to kind of help him out, you know, like whether it be helping so-and-so clean their gun who maybe been struggling because uh, I, you know, got through mine quicker or whatever. But anyways, he was a super, super good dude. Uh, and then other phenomenal mentors of mine and friends now that I'm happy to be able to call friends, uh, Dave Spaulding. Uh, super amazing instructor. He's retired now, but he was a mentor. I could toss ideas off of him. He helped me really kind of see the value of what a good instructor was. Louis Auerbach, the late Louis Auerbach, absolutely amazing instructor. I uh, learned a lot from him. I've learned a lot from pretty much everybody, but now guys that I'm excited to call friends, uh, Aaron uh, Guzzi, I don't know if you'll watch this or not, but uh, he is my mentor and leader at 88 uh, on the side there, 88 Tactical, where I train with. And, you know, his uh, help. Uh, same thing with Trevor and Kurt all over there. Super good dudes there. Uh, Scott Jedlinski from Modern Samurai. I uh, got to hang out with him. We were both teaching in Vegas earlier this month. He was teaching one agency. I was teaching another. And we were able to get together and um, just kind of share some time and, and share some ideas. But he is a super amazing dude and a super instructor. Uh, you know, very, very positive influence on me as well. So it was kind of cool that we we're able to now kind of be peers and hang out. And, uh, you know, it, I don't know. I think any hockey player would want to hang out with Wayne Gretzky. And that's who I look at, at Jedi uh, and AJ. And, you know, there's so many amazing people out there that I get to hang out with. And it's, it's pretty cool for me. So I'm excited about that. Uh, last part of this particular question is how can a positive instructor help overcome a highly negative experience that people had? And I guess, um, same answer as before being positive, being a good steward of the industry, being encouraging, being building, uh, and being respectful. That's uh, a big thing that I think, again, that we lack a lot in the industry sometimes. And there's diff different personalities that are better at it than others. So uh, let me go ahead and check in with the comments here. Uh, this one is from Josh. Happy holidays. Looking forward to meeting at SHOT. Yes. Sound off, man. Um, try to look me up. I'll be at SHOT. I'll bring some patches and stuff too. So if you run into me, I'll definitely have some swag. Uh, let me know if you're going to be at a booth or at just kind of running around or whatever, but I would always love to meet, love to meet you guys at SHOT if you guys are going to be there. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, it kind of humbles me a little bit. I've had a, I'm not that cool guys. Like I really am not. And I've had a couple of people come up to me and they're like, Hey, I really like your videos. Um, you know, or I'm a big fan like that. Just it, it doesn't make sense to me because like I said, I'm not that cool, but uh, I love to love to meet as many people as I can. Like I uh, talked about with TriggerCon. Uh, this is from Rodney. I would like to see your final feeling between the staccati, the staccato and the prodigy. Uh, I do want to make a, a comparison video, more of like an in-depth bullet point versus point video. And it's on the list, uh, but I'm, I'll, I'll just be upfront. They're, they're different guns. 
Uh, the Prodigy is an entry-level double-stack 1911-style gun. The Staccato is a more refined level. Now, granted, they are both production guns, but we're dealing with different levels. And I think it's pretty obvious. Like, I try to be very objective, even though I am a blue team member of Staccato. But uh, Staccato doesn't pay me. They don't sponsor me or anything like that. I help them out with events. They help me out by, you know, giving me a gun to demo and, and stuff like that. But, uh, and some of it is, you know, a little bit of association type affiliation as well, because some students feel like, because I have an affiliation with a gun company, I'm more credible, which I really don't think it matters as much, but some people that is what they look for, whatever. But all that being said, uh, and I got the prodigy to run, obviously we'll have links, you know, to those videos. I'll, I should probably keep some notes here as well of what I should do, but, um, I'll say this, uh, it, it's a different level of gun. The prodigy is basically an entry level gun. Um, and it, I, it's, it's tough, you know, to say that, but, um, so I need the prodigy videos. Uh, it's just not a nice of a gun. Like it, like uh, I've heard the joke before that the prodigy is a $2,000 gun. You buy it for 15 and expect to pay a gunsmith 500 to get it uh, running. Right. And, uh, it's kind of a funny joke, but uh, that's the reality of it. Uh, it. It definitely needed some work. Now, the 425s, I would say, are a better gun than the 5-inch. A lot of people have had less issues with those. But um, anyways, it uh, yeah, it, it's just a different level of gun in a way. But the Staccato is a nicer gun. If you can have the scratch to buy a Staccato, I would totally buy a Staccato. Now, at SHOT Show, there's some other new stuff that I can't wait to get my hands on. Uh, so the DWX is finally making its appearance. Like I am so excited for that damn Dan Wesson DWX. Uh, when they announced that it, I want to say it was 2019. I was like, I need this. I want to get my hands on this. And I'm a little bummed that I didn't get invited to the media event. Like I said, guys, I'm not that cool. Uh, but I really want to get my hands on that gun. Uh, Oracle arms is uh, coming out with a gun called the 2311. And that's basically going to be a 1911 style gun, but it takes SIG P320 mags. I am hopefully going to be connecting with them uh, to hopefully get a media sample or whatever, because there's a lot of nerd questions I have about that. But anyways, yeah, so Staccato is a different level, but there's other really, really good guns out there as well. All right, this one is from DeGraw. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. What amount of training courses do you think the average non-LE person should try to accomplish per year? That's a great question. Uh, honestly, I think that really kind of depends on your goals. I think first off you, before you go to any training course, figure out what do I want to work on? And oh, sometimes if we don't know what we don't know, like, I don't know what I, you know, let's just say, I don't know what I want to work on. I just want to be better overall. Well then take uh, a well reputable instructor's course and do research. Cause there's a lot of instructors out there that are great. There are some that are not as great and I'm not here to bad mouth or bash anybody, but if you are just wanting to improve generally, don't be afraid to reach out to that instructor and ask for 10 minutes of their time and have them give you their pitch, right? Have them sell you on their experience and their personality. Because if you get off the phone and they're already like, nope, I don't have time for this, or I'm super busy, it's all on the webpage or whatever, and you're already kind of getting turned off where they don't have that attention to give you pre-sale, uh, they're probably not going to give you much post. And what kind of attitude are they going to have at the event or at the uh, class as well. So that's kind of part of it. Uh, so you always try to find an instructor that personality wise, you can at least get along with and tolerate because it, it does suck to train with somebody who you think is a, a hole, right? Um, 
And I've had that experience too, where I've had instructors where I was taking as a student and it's just like, they're not paying attention. They're not engaged. They're not personable. They're the last one to show up, the first one to leave. And those are unfortunate experiences. So don't be afraid to do that. Uh, now, as far as uh, how many, it, again, it kind of depends on what your goal is. But if you can take a solid, good class every year, that'll give you the seeds to grow your own uh, practice sessions, training sessions, whatever, you can get a lot of value from that because obviously there's time, there's ammo, there's travel, all that stuff kind of goes into it. So, but yeah, if you could take a course a year and it could be a variety of things, or it could be little nuggets. Like you take a four hour workshop, you know, here and another four hour workshop here, or maybe you go to a match or something like that. Now matches do have a diminishing return, uh, because you're only shooting for realistically a few minutes and you know maybe a hundred rounds for that particular match which isn't very much and you might be able to be more productive if you know what skills that you want to practice what things you want to work on with a dedicated range session so that's a great question i appreciate that question and then uh looks like we have joshua i'll be chained to the holosun booth i wouldn't say you'd be chained that sounds like a pretty awesome booth to be at uh, I will definitely make sure to stop by. So, uh, I've worked with Lewis. Uh, I've talked to Lewis before from Holosun and, uh, there was one other contact. I, I want to say Chris, but I'd have to double check my phone, but, uh, I am excited to see what you guys have coming up now, Joshua, just to give you a little shameless plug here. Uh, I just published my 509 T long-term review video. I've had some first looks. Um, the EPS is literally my favorite optic of 2022. And I know you guys did an Instagram teaser, but you should give me some more info on that thing. I know it's big, but I want to know, like, I'm excited to see what you guys have in store. Uh, just so you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Holosun. Um, I'm not trying to brag, but like, I'm a huge fan of Holosun. Look at all those Holosun boxes, right? Like I love their stuff. I truly do believe they are they are the most innovative company right now. They're nimble, so they're small enough to that they can respond well and be innovative and come out with new stuff. Uh, their quality is great. Now, have I killed every optic out there? Yep. And actually, Joshua, uh, I got to send a, uh, a different Holosun in that uh, I broke too, but I've broken everything. And I tell you guys about that stuff too, but I will make sure to stop by. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what's new and, and what's going on. All right. that's uh, We're caught up on comments. Let's uh, check in with Kevin's other questions here. When teaching classes with a mixed audience, what are some good instructor methods to help students pick up which skills, tactics are appropriate for them? And what are some good ways to politely recognize when they have a wrong gun, accessory gear, whatever? So usually with the wrong gear, sometimes they figure that out on their own really quick. Like part of the reason why I go to classes is I bring new gear with to vet it, to get it more experience with it to try it out to see is this working better than what i have now does it work good is it reliable whatever you know that particular stuff might be so sometimes those um those are, are issues that come up with classes right we get to kind of vet that gear now i try to pol be polite because sometimes people really have a buyer's bias and that means they invested their time their money into this they don't want to admit that it sucks because it is kind of a personal dig right we don't want to admit that this is not a good device so we have to be respectful as instructors with that. Or sometimes I'll have demo gear. Like I know what works really well for me and generally, and I'll have some loaner gear and things like that. But then I might say, hey, why don't you just be open-minded and try it with this particular product? And then they can see, and then they might admit, yeah, that works better. Uh, generally speaking, what I always tell people is if you are not committed to a piece of gear, don't necessarily buy something. Go to a match, go to a class, especially if you can arrange ahead of time, like some loaner gear or whatever it might be. You'd be surprised uh, the amount of people that will let you use things. And then you can 
get an idea and you can kind of figure it out. Like, especially with precision rifle, like I have people asking me, like, I want to go to my precision rifle match. I need to buy this. I need to do, 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 don't buy, just go there, bring your rifle and then use a bunch of different bags. Everybody on the squad will let you use their gear. I just about guarantee it. And then you can get a feel of like, oh, this bag is way better than this bag. Or I like this pillow better, or I like this bipod better, or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I even know some people who, uh, I've invited to precision rifle matches and I was like, don't even buy a gun. Just don't buy a gun. You can use a spare and you can get a feel for what you like or don't like. And then you can kind of make your own decisions and don't waste a bunch of money. I'm all about buy once, cry once, buy quality. However, uh, I don't necessarily want to have to buy and, and reinvest. So those are good questions, Kevin. Oh, um, what was the other part? Oh, mixed audience. Uh, I, I just explain the why. So like if I'm explaining a particular thing, I will try to briefly explain that in little micro sections of how this is applicable to you, how it's applicable to you. And then I can use different scalable targets as well. So if I have a really good shooter, I'm going to tell them to shoot at this portion of the target. And if I have a shooter who's maybe new to it, I can tell them uh, to shoot at this portion, but that way we can still stay at the same distance and things like that. So, uh, yeah, good question. All right. Uh, this one is, uh, back looping in, hang on here. Wait a minute. There we go. Uh, my son and I are taking the Jedi. Oh, perfect. That's awesome. You're yeah. Tell him I said, hello. Tell him, uh, Dave, Tim says, hi. Like I said, we just got to hang out and, uh, have some cigars, uh, in Vegas, but yeah, you're going to love the Jedi course. You, that is going to make you a better shooter for sure. He is so good at figuring out your efficiencies or where there's deficiencies and how you can pick up little things. So like I was new to appendix carry and I took his appendix class over the summer and I told him I haven't been practicing that much because I didn't want to learn bad habits. I want to learn your techniques because they're proven. And he was able to give me some pointers uh, to where I was able to shoot a couple of his black belt uh, standards from appendix. I did not get the patch spoiler alert, but like I said, I was able to shoot a couple of the standards at black belt level from concealment appendix, um, with his technique. So he's super good dude. Uh, green ops. I have not trained with those guys yet, but I've heard really good things. So I think that'd be a great course. It sounds like you are, uh, yeah, it sounds like you are absolutely on the right path, man. You're going to love those classes. Check in let me know what you think of them. All right, this one is from Rodney, a comment here. That's great to see you actually run the items. You get hard and provide real world opinions. Yeah, I try, man. Uh, I definitely try. I, I won't do a review. Now, first look is a little different, but I will not do a review. I'm not usually the first to come out with a review on something uh, unless I get it early ahead of time where I'm able to run it. But I won't do a review on something that I don't have legit experience with. And a lot of the gear that I use, I bring with on the road. So I'll let students shoot it as well, because that's again, round count that we can get. We can get more feedback. Uh, I can get feedback from it. Sometimes it comes in handy to use as a loaner piece of equipment, but I will use all of the stuff in detail of what I review on, because I need to be honest with you guys, uh, on whether it works or doesn't. Now, a first look is just that. I'm literally taking a first look at something. It might be a glorified unboxing video or a minimal range session, whatever. But when it comes to reviews, man, uh, I wanna be knowledgeable on that. And if I have questions, I wanna anticipate what your questions are. You'll probably have those same questions. I wanna answer all those questions. I wanna try to tell the story about that particular product. Uh, Ryan, what is a good LPVO around 500 bucks? You know, I used to say it was the Steiner, the Steiner, uh, PX4i, or maybe it's P4xi. I get that mixed up a little bit, but you could find those used or on sale for not much more than 500 bucks. I think those days are behind us, unfortunately, with, uh, inflation and cost of manufacturing and all that stuff. Um, 
But bang for buck, that would still be a solid recommendation for me. You can look at some of the Vortex line for around that, like some of their um, PST Gen 2 line in the used-ish market, that kind of stuff. But 500 bucks, yeah, I would say if you could try to find a Steiner. Otherwise, um, some of the primary arm stuff is pretty solid. The Japanese are you know, made around that $500 retail price point. You're probably going to be looking at more like higher-end Chinese glass or manufacturing. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes companies will use uh, Chinese manufacturing for just meeting a price point, cheaper labor, cheaper assembly, cheaper materials. Other times they'll have nicer materials, but they can use uh, a good manufacturing facility in China to take advantage of that labor to kind of get a higher pro higher tier product with a lower cost. And then obviously your higher end glass is going to be more Japanese made, American made with Japanese glass, the German stuff, whatever. But that being said, there are several phenomenal manufacturing facilities in China that produce super, super high quality stuff. Uh, let's take Holosun, for example. Holosun arguably is making some of the best handgun red dots right now. And they, yes, are they manufactured in China? Yep, they are. And they're awesome products. There are other scopes that are manufactured by some of the big Chinese optical manufacturers that are phenomenal scopes and products. So don't be afraid to do that. Now, I've had some people say like, I'll never buy this and that. Okay, I get it. And if you want to be loyal, that's awesome. But I'm not aware of very many uh, companies like let's just say we're talking red dots, for example, which I know your question was about LPVOs, but if we're looking at Trigicon, Leupold, SIG, some of SIG stuff is American made, you're generally going to pay a little bit more for it. And some of those components still are foreign sourced. But anyways, uh, good LPVO is around 500. I would try to look for uh, the Steiner. Don't be afraid to look at used stuff. You can find some really good used deals as well. Uh, some Vortex, Primary Arms. Yeah, I think those would be probably my top picks. Uh, in that price point. So uh, let's loop back to questions here. Kevin, I believe you had a couple more. Uh, when an instructor or student misbehaves that would get ordinary people fired in corporate America, what are some tips? Well, obviously vote with your dollars. You know, I don't like to hang out with people like that. Uh, and don't be afraid to, you know, confront them. Uh, I get that that might not always be the student's place, uh, but I have had um, stories where people have said, you know, they didn't appreciate, you know, so-and-so or whatever. But uh, thankfully, most of the people that I've associated with I generally don't have too many complaints where it's like to the level that they would maybe get fired or if it's inappropriate. Now, sometimes those issues work themselves out. Obviously they get a complaint and then they, uh, that gets feedback. But some of these instructors that are out there, most of them are sole proprietors. They own their own business. The only way they're going to get in trouble is if people stop going to their classes. So you could share your feedback with other students to save them that. But the reality is if they own their own business and they're getting, you know, butts in their classes, then they're going to continue to do what they do until the market tells them otherwise. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, other question was people that are too cool for safety. What are some tips or trips to snap them out uh, so they can take firearm safety seriously? Uh, I don't have any tips or tricks to get them to that other than they are confronted professionally. Like if I see safety issues in my classes on the line, those are confronted right now professionally, but they're confronted right now because obviously we don't get second chances when it comes to certain safety issues. So I'm a big believer in they need to be confronted. They need to be addressed. And I've had to pull people off the line. Um, I've had students struggle with keeping their finger off the trigger because they had bad habits. Uh, one student even called it revolveritis because 
Evidently, if you shoot a revolver, it's okay to keep your finger on the trigger, but that was his excuse. But he had to be confronted on that, and ultimately we had to remove him from the line, um, or we had to have one-on-one -on -one really building that habit of finger, finger, finger. So, But other issues that we've had, uh, I've had to you know, modify people's participation. In my waiver, I say I reserve the right to modify your participation at our sole discretion. And I've had certain people where they were not allowed to participate in this portion of the drill or this particular drill because that they could not demonstrate whether it might be handling, whether it might be uh, an ability or whatever it might be. So that that is reality. That's, uh, that's kind of what happens. Uh, last part of Kevin's questions. Are there any street survival programs where police officers can learn the basic manual of arms for different firearms in common use? No, but man, um, there should be. And I think that would be a really cool class to teach. Uh, I know some people have done familiarization classes where they basically just have like a case full of guns, whether it be an AK, a bolt gun, a shotgun or whatever. And they invite their students to uh, participate and, you know, go through all those different things. And I've heard of some of those, but uh, I'm not aware of, of what's out right now. So, um, but that'd be kind of a cool class, I think. I think it'd be beneficial. Uh, all right. Uh, Kevin, you also did ask about winter. There it is. Uh, and I do have a video on winter rifle already. So I'm not sure if you've seen that or not, but I'll post a link to it in the description below once I get this uh, after the live session's over. But we kind of go over you know, basic prep, lube, manipulation controls, even a little bit about that. But if you guys have low light, or I'm sorry, low temperature or uh, cold weather questions or whatever, I'm not going to say I'm like the world's leading expert, but being a Minnesota native for all of my life and working outside in law enforcement for the last 20 years, uh, yeah, I, I'd say I'm, I'm knowledgeable. So if you have any other questions, let me know. Maybe we can get into the weeds on, on that as well. But I do have the winter rifle video already live, so I'll post a link to that. And then um, you asked a question about shoulder weld. That probably deserves its own video. I'll add it to the list, but it's getting to be a pretty long list. But basically what's being taught now, because yes, the AR is a light recoiling rifle. So the, the tricks that we learned from teaching shotgun, whether that be a push-pull technique or a firm shoulder weld, they're not transferring as much because the AR-15 is relatively forgivable when it comes to technique. You can, you can have kind of sloppy technique and you can still be effective with an AR. So uh, that's, that's a good question. But yeah, that, uh, we'll maybe talk about that here real quick. All right, if cost design constraints were of no concern, what innovations would you like to see in the optics industry? You know, I should be charging for my consultation knowledge. Um, but when it comes to LPVOs, my uh, my big thing is always daylight bright illumination, like super bright illumination. So if there was a way that no constraints, whether it be of cost, whether it be of design, whatever, where we could put a larger battery, like one of the things I, I, I know the, um, the VCOG had a separate lower battery mount, like you could put a full-size battery in there. I would not be opposed to see that from some of these other optic manufacturers. Now, where do you put it? Do you put the battery at the 12 o'clock? Well, now with piggyback optics growing, do you put it at six o'clock? Well, six o'clock with a high mount is not a bad place to put it. But if I could put a bigger battery in there, or if technology was available where I could have like literally red dot bright optic, uh, reticle, excuse me, in daylight situations on an LPVO, that would be amazing. Uh, or if there was a way for technology to embrace, um, and there was one, there was a dual focal plane. I can't remember if it was the short dot or which one it was, but basically their dot was in the second focal plane and their reticle was in the first focal plane. But that was really, really cool. Um, 
I would love to see more of that. So that way, when I'm running it on one power, it is truly like a red dot or, you know, fast like um, a, a true 1x optic. And then as I needed to the magnification, that reticle would be illuminated a little differently. So I'd love to see some of that stuff. When it comes to pistol red dots, um, I would love to see more of like the EPS style grow where we have closed emitter, but we have top mounting. Like the e part of the reason why I think the EPS is the best thing going right now or the most innovative at least, is that it has the benefits of our closed emitters. We're starting to see more and more closed emitters become popular. Uh, the Steiner's relatively new, minimal hands-on time with that. The Acro, obviously it struggled with battery life on the version one, now the version two. The 509 is a proven rock solid optic, but now we have the EPS and I really see the future of that EPS where I'm able to adopt that 507K footprint because of the screw location, but yet have the closed emitter. And if uh, you guys were able to enlarge that window to kind of compete more with like the SROs, the Delta points and some of that competition space, but yet maintain closed emitter awareness would be awesome. Obviously battery life. My only complaint thus far with the EPS uh, is I've gone through some batteries a little quicker than I thought just because it uses a 1620 battery. So obviously not as much capacity as some of the larger 2032 batteries, but I just keep 1620s in my range bag and I swap them out a little bit more often. But I love that EPS. I would show it to you guys now, but YouTube has policies that I can't do that on uh, live streams. But I absolutely love, the EPS is awesome. I'd love to see more, more of that as well. Uh, what red dot zero distance do you recommend for pistol and rifle? Uh, for pistol, I actually have a couple of videos out on that. So I'll post a link once this live stream is done. For pistol, it's generally 10 yards, confirm it 25. And I'll have another video kind of coming up. Uh, I got a ransom rest from the awesome people at Ransom that we're going to do a 10 versus 15 versus 25. So uh, there are going to be more videos on that, which I think will be cool to kind of explain that. But generally speaking for me, pistol 10 yards, my point of impact shift at 25 is very minimal, less than an inch, uh, confirm for windage. And then at distance, that's a little flatter. And then for rifle, generally it will be 50 yards for red dots, uh, anything with a red dot, some LPVOs if there's no ballistic. And then for other rifles with like a ballistic reticle or drops or something like that, I'll run the data quick. And usually those, it's going to be a hundred yard, but some reticles, it lines up really well to do a 50 yard zero and then go from there. Now, some guys are a big proponent of a 200 yard zero, which is totally awesome, but make sure it's actual true 200 yard zero and not just assuming that a 50 is the same at 200 because it's not always the case. So yeah, great question, Ryan. All right, uh, what about, <clears throat> excuse me, what about a newer, better Devo styled optic? That would be pretty cool too. I'm not gonna oppose any of that stuff, you know? I always like to say, what do, yeah, what do you guys think? Feel free to comment as well on what questions you want to see because uh, I'm just one dude. So like, I think maybe Joshua would find this helpful for you guys if you guys comment as well. So I think that'd be kind of neat. Uh, the difficult with doing more top mounted screws are the footprints. Yeah, absolutely. We have some new stuff at SHOT Show. Yeah, you, you need to stop teasing me and you need to shoot me. A, you need to slide into those DMs. I think that's what the kids are saying is that you look a little younger than me. So if you could slide into my DM with some more pictures, I'll sign an NDA or whatever, or get me one ahead of time so I can play with it and have one of the first videos. That'd be even cooler, but I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. I, I really am. So Josh, you should, uh, I want you to slide into my DMs. I probably said that way too many times. There should be a drinking game on how many times I repeat myself or I make bad dad jokes. I don't have any great bad dad. I'll come up with some dad jokes as well. Will there ever be a handgun prism site? I don't know. Uh, that's pretty small. 
to do that. Or like some people have asked, like, will there ever be a handgun holographic site type thing? Like, uh, like EOTech, they came out with their flex red dot. And a lot of people assumed it was going to be a holographic site. And again, because we're dealing with lasers and mirrors and stuff, uh, I think that's going to be a pretty tall challenge, but I think someday we could get there. Absolutely. We could get there someday. Uh, do I like Kestrels? Yeah, I want one. It's on my Christmas list. Uh, Santa did not bring me a Kestrel. So it is on my list. Um, hang on one sec here. Uh, let me mute the, oh, you are fast. You are fast. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. I appreciate that. Do you go by Josh or Joshua? I, I don't want to be disrespectful. It's just kind of a habit for me to um, abbreviate people's names. So I do apologize if uh, you prefer Joshua, but we'll connect. All right. I love Kestrels. I would love to get one. I think they're really awesome. Wind meter, um, the ballistics, all that stuff. It's, it's, I want, I want one. Now, when I go to matches now, I just buddy up with somebody who has one and they're doing their thing and they're giving me good wind. Uh, I, cause I'm not the best at reading the wind by any means. So I'll rely on them. But, uh, yeah, I do think they're, they're awesome. All right. Uh, yes, he does. Looking for one. Hang on. Why, why aren't comments showing up here? All right. Uh, let's check in here quick. All right, guys, uh, preview mode. No, no, no. Back to live mode. There we go. I, I think I'm still live. All right. So let's, uh, I, I don't know what happened, but I'm not able to publish comment. There we go. Uh, looking for one for my Walther PPQ closed emitter mount. Uh, right now, man, if you're looking for a closed emitter, uh, I would wait for the EPSs to come out. Otherwise, if you want one, like right now, the 509T, and that is in my opinion, best bang for buck closed emitter out right now is the 509T. Is the Acro a good optic? Yep. Is the MPS have potential? Yeah, I think so. I've seen a couple issues, but, um, you know, price point, you can buy two 509s for almost like what the uh, Acro is. Now, the Sig Romeo P uh, 2, I did a review on that a little bit ago. That's pretty cool. I, I like the modularity with that, but it's not a true sealed system because Obviously, they're using a loophole uh, Delta Point Pro footprint, and they're able, you know, with the screws, they have to, you know, have a removable shroud. But uh, I definitely think the 509 is the best bang for buck closed emitter. The EPS is just even better. I like how low it sits. They're just great, uh, but they're, you know, a little tougher to get right now. So uh, this one is from view at your own risk. Well, I will view at your own risk. I'd like to see a one to 10 first focal plane LPVO with the Chevron and donut of death. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, the EOTech is similar to that. Um, check out my EOTech voodoo video. I do have some reticle, uh, footage of that where it had the speed ring and then the speed ring disappears at magnification, but it wasn't quite as cool as their holographic. Cause it's a huge speed ring. It's not their normal 65 MOA, but, um, I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, I agree. I think like so far of the one to tens that I've played with the, the EOTech voodoo, the vortex and the Attaball, None of the reticles are perfect. Like some of them are still a little bit too busy. Like I think Voodoo and Eotex are both pretty, or Voodoo and Vortexes are both pretty good, but there's things about them I like and dislike or whatever. So I don't know, maybe I could design my own reticle someday and everybody might not like it, but I know I would. So I don't know, but yeah, I do think a donut of death would be just awesome. Like an ACOG style reticle, like believe it or not, some of the ACOG reticles, like one of the things I struggled with, with TreasureCon, for example, is why don't you put your ACOG reticles in your AccuPoint optics? Like that would be awesome, but you know, it is what it is. 
Uh, <laughs> what do I think about overpriced Gucci gear, such as the GBR US mount that costs $500? I know, it seems crazy for the amount of money that they're charging. Now, it's a really cool mount. Like, if you guys aren't familiar with it, it's a high up uh, uh, mount, really designed for night vision use. So it's a super high ride red dot mount, and then it has this rail ahead of it to mount your laser basically just below it. Uh, so you have really, really similar parallels. It's cool. There's definitely some innovation and some thought, and there was probably a lot of R&D time to like figure out the right heights for a variety of things, but they are expensive. Am I going to buy one? Yeah, probably. But is it going to be for a dedicated night vision gun? Yep, absolutely. And uh, it, it's not cheap. But do I think... Uh, Thomas, you son of a gun. Uh, do I think there is some innovation there? Do I think there's some quality there? Absolutely. Do I think the market is going to ultimately drive that price down with competition? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that their design is really 100% patented or if they're going to be the exclusive, but I definitely think uh, there's going to be some more options in the future because I think there is a benefit to having that laser just below your daylight optic or your daytime optic, passive optic, whatever you want to call it. I definitely think there is some value to having that laser in conjunction with that, especially as we see more lasers come to the market. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, EOTech has a new one coming out. I believe it's just simply called the OGL, the on-gun laser. Or Joshua, if you're listening, Holosun needs to step up their laser game too. Like I have some ideas for some lasers for Holosun. So that would be uh, that would be pretty awesome as well. Uh, and I, like I said, the, uh, the LE321 is a pretty pretty good laser. I would like to see more on the illumination side. Uh, so like, I know there was talk about swapping one of the heads for maybe like an IR LED, but I think with the civilian world, honestly, IR LEDs are, are fine. I mean, not everybody needs like a, uh, a Vexel laser, like the mall or whatever else, but I mean, there's the benefits to that. Sure. So I would love to talk more about that as well. Some laser stuff. Cause I think, uh, night vision is a growing segment. There's more and more people buying night vision that I, you know, it definitely makes a big difference, but yeah. And the sling that costs 200 bucks. Yeah. You can get a quality sling for less than that. I, I haven't played around with a $200 sling where I've been like, man, this is worth $200. So, but yeah, reasonable prices geared, uh, at government contracts. Yeah. A lot of that is going from there. Thomas, we'll talk soon. That's all as I'm saying. So I don't want to spill my poker face, P -p -p poker face. Remember that Lady Gaga song? You're probably too young for that. Maybe you are. I don't know. Uh, all right. Do an optic reticle comparison training video. That'd be a good, interesting topic. Maybe a live stream would be kind of cool for that where I could kind of prepare, interact it. We could maybe do it ahead of time. Almost kind of treat it as like a little class, if you will, where people could participate, ask questions, stuff like that. That'd be kind of cool. All right. What is the Somo Gear review train? I, I don't know. Will I hop on the Somo Gear review train? Okay, you have to give me some context here. What am I missing? Is that a trend I am behind on? The Somo Gear. Uh, Airsoft, laser. I generally, I have not done uh, a bunch of like Airsoft stuff. I'm not opposed to it. Um, you know, like I have I, on my list literally is like a winter indoor training video where I do airsoft because I think there's value that you can get from airsoft, especially if you look at it, not just like, I know a lot of people quickly dismiss it as like, oh, you're just a LARPer and that's not the case. But if we look at it as like an enhanced dry fire or a way to enhance our handling abilities or like movement or stuff like that, there's a, so much value that comes from, uh, airsoft. So yeah, I'll, uh, I, am not familiar with Somo gear. I appreciate you sending me this. I'll have to do some checking. It looks like they have replicas of a lot of different, uh, laser type stuff. So I, I don't know. Have you played with it? Uh, Somo gear is knockoff pecs that are living up to 
Um, real steel. Re really interesting. I did not know that. I'll have to check him out. Okay, so Joshua, uh, what it, I thought Lewis was the guy. Wasn't Lewis doing that or are you? I, I don't know. But yeah, we got we to gotta talk. Looking forward to it. See, this is why I love it. Who would have thought that you'd be in my live stream? I appreciate that, man. This is pretty cool. All right. Uh, let's catch up on questions here quick because I think we're caught up on comments. Uh, this one, there we go. Michael T, can and how do you decock the hammer on a staccato P? Uh, you really don't. They don't decock. It's carried, cocked, and locked, which basically means when the gun is ready to be carried, the hammer is cocked, the safety is locked. I talk about that in my Staccato 11 new shooter guide, but as far as um, decocking it, you don't decock it unless it's an administrative thing. So you would unload, make sure that the gun is clear, and then you would press the trigger and that would cause the hammer to fall. It's a single action only. So it's not like your other guns that have a decocker that you can shoot it D-A-S-A or double action, single action. So that's a, a good one to check out. Uh, where were we? Number five. There we go. Now we're on number six. All right. This one's from Art. Art, I do apologize that I missed the uh, live last month or whatever, but I'm glad you're able to tune in and, uh, you know, I apologize. It wasn't, uh, wasn't live. Okay. Got it. Lewis handles the LE stuff. So that's probably where I've talked to him somewhat is, uh, with the LE side as well. Cause that's mostly, you know, kind of my background and audience. So that could definitely be it, but I'm looking forward to connecting with you, man. All right. This one is from art. Uh, art is a longtime viewer. Uh, I really have appreciated his support over the time uh, that we've been doing this. All right. He picked up a C2 and someone did some work on it. Due to the limitations, I was able to do a test run with the 126 Staccato mag and two Dura mags. Gross. Uh, originally made by the Springfield. Staccatos ran flawlessly, but with both Dura mags, I had issues with it was uh, locking back when there were still rounds. Uh, you still you thought you had a good grip going from there. All right, I'm going to spoiler alert. Uh, any issues? Some of the issues I had with the Prodigy were definitely magazine related, and I'm not a fan of Dura mags. Uh, I'm just not. I have not had good luck with them. I've tried them in the Prodigy and my Staccatos, and I don't think they're tuned very well. So my go-to mags for 2011 platform guns are, of course, Staccato, but also Checkmate. Uh, they're just starting to come to market. They have 126 uh, length magazines out there now. I've been playing with those for the last couple of months-ish. They've been running awesome. Uh, they're going to be their own brand. They're going to be branded under Checkmate, but they are 2011 compatible magazines. Um, if you do some Googling, you could probably figure out some things that I'm not comfortable right now saying, but are pretty well known of Checkmate making magazines for people in the industry. Anyways, they make really good mags for a variety of people. Their branded 2011 mags are so far, great. They're going to come out with longer versions in the near future as well that I'll be checking out. But I did tease that a little bit in my Prodigy uh, latest video where I had the Checkmate mags that were running in the Prodigy great. So for your C2, I would totally recommend just uh, getting some uh, Checkmate magazines or Staccato, but the Checkmates are going to be a little less money. So I think they're, they're a great magazine so far. All right, then we have some good comments going on between some of you guys about uh, Holosun stuff, which is great, which is awesome. So I'm super happy to have Joshua here on the live stream. Maybe uh, once we meet in the future, we could, you know, do some more stuff or whatever. All right, I recently watched your review on the Holosun 508 versus the RMR. Uh, and I'm not just saying this because uh, Joshua is here, but I think the 508, it's a better optic. It's just, it's more innovative. It has more features. It's just really cool. So that is what it is. Uh, I have purchased the Streamlight TLR-8AG. I was wondering which RDS should I purchase, uh, red or green? 
I recently purchased a X compact, which has green. Should I offset the color with red uh, or does it matter from your experience? Uh, so that was number seven. Good question. I personally generally overall prefer red, although I do have a few of Holosun's greens. And I've also had the experience with some colorblind students who said that green worked better for them. Uh, now I have heard that green is a little bit more efficient, which is why like the SCS came out with the green version first as they were able to get that LED a little bit more power efficient. But for whatever reason to my eye, if I had the red 508 and a green 508 right next to each other on max brightness, the red does appear a little bit brighter to me. But that being said, I have no problem seeing the green. Now studies have also showed us that we pick up green a little bit better. That's why the original night vision was developed with green because our eyes just generally uh, are, are green. Green is a pleasurable color for our eyes. It's very easy on the eyes, which is also what a lot of the ladies call me. That's ironic. My nickname in college was also easy on the eyes. All right, that's my one bad dad joke for the, for the show. But uh, actually they called me a lot worse. That's not true. But anyways, pick what's good for you if you can try to get your hands on both. Uh, what I also like in general about the Holosun, the multi-reticle system is for night vision use. That works great. But uh, red is a little less expensive. So I would say just get the red and be happy. Like I love, I love the red just fine. Um, yeah, no issues what, whatsoever to report. So some of my students have really, really liked the green. Um, I don't have any experience with the amber, speaking of which, which I don't know how many of the ambers are really out there from Holosun, but I know there was like an amber or a gold as well, which part of me wants to check out just to check out because I think it'd be cool to see. So yeah, that is that. Uh, that was this guy. All right, let's talk about this guy from Michael. I have been using a red dot 507K on my uh, 48. Switching to a green dot, the EPS carry as a trial. What color front sight do I recommend to go with that? So that's a great question. My personal preference for any backup site for the handgun red dot is just plain black. Uh, they're just there as backup sites. If I'm using the sights, I'll ideally have some sort of illumination so I can still see that. Or if I'm using it under night vision, any of the tritium or high vis sites become distracting because when I have that dot in a dim setting or a night vision setting, it looks like a dot. But then when I have my tritium site, it looks like a blurry dot. And you'd be surprised under night vision how bright tritium can be that it is distracting to me. So I don't like that. Plain black, be done. That's it. They're just backup sites. That's my personal preference. Some people like to have tritium. Some people like to have high vis, whatever. I like just plain black. They're cheap. They're low. They're out of the way. And they work just fine for me. So that's my preference. That was question number eight. This is number nine. Uh, making sure we're also caught up on comments here. Uh, I'm setting up a Glock 17 MOS with a red dot and a weapon mounted light. I'm not a fan of the stock sights. Yeah, so this is a, another, I think I, that's the reason why I put these questions together. I just, again, prefer plain black sights um, just because they work. All right, this one is, uh, yes. So, yep, green is the color that we're, eyes are most sensitive to. Absolutely. Yep, and that's, again, why the night vision was uh, developed for what it was. Uh, you use a fiber optic with a green for that reason. And yeah, when I was shooting fiber optic, like iron sights gun, I would generally have a bright green fiber optic or like my, one of my favorite LPVOs is the Trijicon TR24. It's a one to four with just a big bright triangle. And I like green. So like I have a TR24G, which is the green triangle. I have a couple of those. They're just great optics. I love that green as well. So definitely a spot on there. Uh, every time I post an AR-15, uh, every time I post my AR-15 photos on the gun forum, they make fun of my Olight. Yeah, I get it, man. Um, I'll say this. Olight does not have the best reputation. Uh, they're budget-friendly. 
they're bright, but they've had issues with batteries. And I don't know if I buy all the internet hype of like, oh, they've exploded and whatever, but you don't hear about that generally from some of the other quality brands. And in my opinion, the things that I don't want to skimp out on are what I need on the rifle for it to be effective. So a good quality optic, a white light and a solid sling. Now, I'm not saying you have to buy like the $200 slings or the GBRS mounts that we've talked about, but those are three things that are really important on that rifle. So my opinion, best bang for buck uh, rifle light is the Streamlight Protac series. Yes, those are also Chinese made, but they have a really good reputation. Uh, I know a lot of law enforcement agencies who use those, the issue those, I've used those. Bang for buck, they're a great weapon mounted light for the rifle. Uh, more expensive is your Surefires, your Mod Lights, your Clouds, all that other stuff. Um, I would love to see what other companies might do, but as far as uh, the Olight, I, I just, I'm not a huge fan. I've seen a couple of them take turds uh, or go to the turds and, and classes, pistol speaking. Uh, so that's just my experience, but your mileage may vary, but yeah, you are going to get made fun of because uh, they are a little cheaper. So yeah. All right, if I were getting a slide milled for an optic, would you get a race cut, no irons, or still have the dovetail milled with the durability of RDS, uh, are irons needed? That's a great question, and honestly, it really does depend on the gun. If it was just a competition gun, like all I knew I was going to use that for three gun, for pistol matches, whatever, where I was shooting, you know, carry optics or open or whatever, uh, iron sights might not be as beneficial. Now, if it's for any sort of a carry gun, a duty gun, anything like that, yes, I would still get iron sights. Uh, I can maybe get into another video on like why you would need iron sights, but it's not just if the optic goes down, but, uh, what if you have a, a, you know, a blockage or you have a light issue or whatever, where you can use those iron sights, uh, as a backup site, or if you were to have an electronics or battery failure, that type of thing, uh, do new shooters use them as a crutch to find the dot? Yep, they do. Now I don't recommend getting into that habit because the whole point of me having the dot is so I can remain target focused. I don't want to become sight focused, then target focused and waste time. I want to just present, find the dot every time, which you will get there with practice and good technique. But that being said, Sometimes stuff fails. Iron sights are a must if it's a defensive gun, a protective gun, whatever. And then, like I said, sometimes certain issues, low light, stuff like that, iron sights can come in handy. So um, that's a good question, but that's how I would answer it. Yes, uh, and Josh, totally spot on. Everyone should take a local trip uh, trip to their local shop and try to get as much hands-on uh, as you can. And then again, uh, red color blind, green color blind, but you can't be yellow. So that's why um, the gold are a big hit. And that, I've never seen one of your yellows. Uh, I do have a couple of officers that were more red color blind because they responded really well to the green and they responded really well to the the circle dot reticle. Um, so that's what I like about your stuff is that it gives that contrast. But uh, I would love to see more of the yellow stuff kind of make it to the market because i think you're spot on man i think you are right good afternoon to you uh is it george or is it jorge i'm not not sure how to pronounce i, I want to make sure I'm not pronouncing your name wrong i apologize um yeah streamlight's a solid option would i buy a noveski of course noveski for sure all the way man uh I, I like colt i have a lot of respect for colt but they have gone stale uh They've kind of set their laurels, I think, on like their military contracts, stuff like that. It's not the same Colt that we we used to know and love. So if I was between a Colt and a Noveski, I would for sure buy a Noveski. There are other really good options. Uh, LMT, Hodge, Sons of Liberty, the Rainier Arms new Ruck Pro rifles are awesome. 
uh, Bravo Company, Noveski, JP. Like you have so many options that I would spend my money with before a Colt. Like I get it. Some people are nostalgic because they want a Colt. I have one Colt and it is by far the nicest Colt I ever saw. That's why I, you know, have it, but I'm not probably buying any more, you know, whatever. Uh, will the ACCS reticle be added? Uh, right now, and Josh can chime in and correct me if I'm wrong, but that is exclusive to primary arms. They're the only ones who can do the optics with that, so it would be up to whatever primary arms wants to order through Holosun to get that. Um, it's too bad about Olight. They've got some cool, interesting features. Yeah, they do, but for me, I'm just a simple, like I want a light to turn on, be bright, have good throw, but yeah, it is... Uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll improve, right? You know, you never know. Everybody can, uh, everybody can. So, uh, I gotta be honest, man, you, you can go wrong with iron sights. Iron sights fail all the time. And in my classes, I see iron sights drift. I see iron sights fall off. Um, and I don't necessarily believe that you should train with them first because there's so many benefits to the red dot. Let's just say we're talking about on a handgun. You're getting so much more information with the red dot on your handgun as far as movement, as far as grip input, as far as presentation, that you're developing so many good habits if I start somebody off with a red dot. Then that all is backwards compatible to iron sights. So like for me, I was really heavy on red dots for the three years, didn't shoot an iron sight gun for all of those three years. Then I had to qualify with one of my iron sight guns and I shot that gun the best I had ever shot that particular Glock 19 with iron sights because of all the good feedback and habits I developed with a red dot. So that being said, I don't necessarily agree that you have to shoot iron sights first. I mean, even with the rifles now, we're teaching pretty much everybody with red dots and there's so many good feedback and habits that we can build with red dots that is all um, backwards compatible, George. So yeah, totally, totally um, think that we can get good info and then we have backwards compatible. So uh, George is fine. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, yeah, and I, you know, I would love to check that out if how they look. I'm starting to get in astigmatism. Uh, I'm not a fan of it, but uh, yeah, I, it is what it is. And yes, the PID, I have one. Josh uh, has says, can't wait for people to catch on how good our new lights have been. Uh, yeah, honestly, it has much more throw and it's better than I thought it was going to be just based on some of the numbers. Now, the only thing I will say with the PID uh, is that it does not fit in all of my X300 holsters as I had hoped. I was told, and maybe you can help clarify, that uh, it would fit in any holster that an X300 would fit, and that isn't my experience, but I have some older holsters too. But uh, yeah, I do agree, man. I think your lights are, are going to be impressive and it's going to be... Uh, even more as you guys continue to improve on some of that stuff too. Uh, thoughts on Criterion barrels, if I have any knowledge, or would you recommend another manufacturer for a one-and-done type of barrel? Wisconsin is known for two things, in my opinion, making really good cheese and really good barrels. There are so many barrel companies in Wisconsin. Uh, Criterion, Bartlin, oh man, um, Krieger, like there's, there's, and there's like two or three more that I can't think of off the top of my head. And all these companies are in Wisconsin for some, some reason, but, uh, they're great. Uh, find a barrel that you like. I don't know what platform it's, if you're looking for like a, a rifle, precision rifle, AR, you know, kind of helps depend a little bit of context, but buy a quality barrel from a quality manufacturer. Chances are it's going to be good out of the box. But if you buy it from a reputable quality manufacturer, they'll take care of you if you have issues as well. So customer service is just as important in my opinion as well. Uh, learning irons is good, but learning curve for long distance pistol is dramatically lower. Yeah, like red dots, just there's so many benefits to that. Absolutely. Let me just make sure that I'm caught up on all my questions here. Uh, okay, this last one for email is from Mitchell. 
Aero Precision advertises the M4 E1 enhanced upper with integrated handgun mount as being more accurate than traditional upper. Uh, do you know if this claim has been tested and does it stand up to the scrutiny? So I'll be honest, I don't know if it, it's been tested, scrutiny, you know, whatever. I don't have one, so I don't have any hands-on with it. But anytime we can beefen up that area, I've talked to a few engineers and they would all agree that the upper receiver mouth where it actually the barrel is accepted and the barrel nut interface is kind of one of the weak points. We're asking to balance this heavy barrel off of this small section of engagement and then clamping it with a barrel nut. And then on top of that, we add our handguard. And sometimes we see issues with some of the handguards with sling input. We can imp uh, input some flex, things like that. Some of them are more beefy than others. But that's kind of one of the downsides with that limited interface. So as we've seen some of the other companies evolve the AR to their proprietary upper receivers, uh, the JP, uh, LRI, SCI system, the Seekins, the Aero, um, Cobalt Kinetics, you know, we're starting to see them really focus on that interface to beef that up, whether it's a proprietary barrel extension or whatever. The uh, Blackout Defense, their dual taper um, system, which I have the upper, I'm waiting to get some additional parts from them to check that out more. But there is a lot of innovation, and generally that innovation is coming from that barrel to upper receiver to barrel nut rail interface, because a lot of engineers agree that's kind of the, I don't want to say the weak point, but that's a point where we can improve a lot of rigidity. So if you're going to beef up an area on an AR, that's where I would do it. So I definitely think there is there is some uh, benefits there. Uh, what red dot would I put on a Benelli M4? Good question, because I'm going to be getting an M4. Uh, I would probably put a micro pattern on there because uh, like Midwest Industries and Scalarworks both make great optic mounts that uh, adopt the Aimpoint micro. So um, and maybe Josh can chime in on uh, what they're their HE, their titanium series. I want to say it's like a 515, 530. All your model numbers kind of scramble in my mind. But like some of the high-end Holosun micro things would be just absolutely awesome. Obviously, Aimpoint uh, micro series is good. Uh, um, that's probably what I would lean towards for a shotgun is either a high-end, um, like the the HE series from Holosun or the Aimpoint micros. Definitely what I would do for a M4. Uh, that's what I'm going to put on the mine. Uh, otherwise, you know, like some of the pistol mounted stuff you could get to, uh, like, a. I always actually thought if I, and I did you know what, now you have me, there was an idea I had that I just thought of, uh, that I'm probably going to put on my Beretta 1301. I'm going to put a 508 on there because I want to see with the circle dot reticle, if I zero the dot for slugs, the distance that my buckshot pattern would be kept in that circle. So therefore let's just say out to 15 yards or whatever it might be, I know that if that circle, all my you know, flight control buckshot would be held within that circle, I think that's a pretty cool application for that multi-reticle. So that would be another really cool option um, as well. Uh, I'm torn between an EOTech and an SRO. Uh, between the two, man, I would go with the SRO. Like the Flex has some cool features, but I've also seen some issues. We actually had a uh, one at a recent class that had a distinct reflection refraction issue where when the sun was shining, there was two dots like, yeah. And it was messed people up. Uh, it was distracting. It was definitely an issue. So between the two, I would go with an SRO. Uh, and then obviously we're having some conversation about compatibility. The question was asked about compatibility. Um, he does have a fitness chart, but it will fit in most duty holsters with an X300, Alien Gear, Alpha. They're working on some lines, stuff like that. So that's good to hear. That's good to hear. And we're talking about the uh, Holosun PID line of lights in which holsters they fit. Um, 
Holistic, yeah, because you can go with the ring, the ring only reticle. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So spot on there, man. Spot on. All right, guys. Uh, a few things. Number one, this is the last QA of the year, which means we have our giveaway, which is a little bit bigger than uh, most. Usually we have kind of one prize and we'll give away some prizes, uh, both to our email questions, as well as the comments and whether it would be the random number. And obviously our patrons do get double entries into that. So when it comes to the random number for the emails that were submitted, all of our patrons uh, at a certain level above do get a little bit extra. So as far as prizes, um, I do have some other stuff that I'll be giving away that I don't have, but I do have a couple of charging handles from Rainier. Uh, this is the Avalanche. So I do have these to give away. I have a combat rail from Midwest Industries to give away. So I do have to appreciate, I, I really am appreciative of the supporters. Um, and there's more stuff around here too. Um, what else could I give away? I, I need to think of some stuff to give away. I don't know what all I can. I, I meant my meetings got a little hectic today, but we're going to give away some stuff. Plus I'll have patches and stuff too. I generally try to be pretty good with patches and swag. I know I'm behind on mailing some of that stuff out. So that being said... That being said, let's give away our first prize. Uh, let me just catch up here with this and then we'll wrap it up because I think we are over an hour. We've had some great conversation. The numbers have been pretty good. So again, I appreciate all of you guys. Uh, while I'm getting this ready, I'm just gonna throw up the rules for the QA winners here. Stand by just a quick sec while you read those. All right, I'm back. Hopefully we guys have covered that. Uh, like I said, I'm gonna try to reach out with some other prizes. And as we get you know bigger, the channel, get more views, things like that, it's gonna be easier for us to do some of this stuff. So, uh, all right, let's start with uh, charging handle. We'll pick some comments at random. So I'm just gonna, uh, I thought there was a function to pick a random comment. Is there, or is that on the pro version? But anyways, let me pick a random comment. George, there you go. Uh, George, so send me an email, the QA at gunsandtactics.com with your name. I got a charging handle for you. Now keep in mind, guys, some of this stuff is demo. I would use it either in a video um, or I would check it out. This particular one may have been put in a, a rifle just to kind of test fit or whatever. But um, George, I got a charging handle for you here. So let me just make a note of that as I kind of keep track. All right, second charging handle for another comment. Pick a random comment. Uh, that would be for Thurgood. Got another charging handle for you. So again, shoot me an email for this guy, which is also an avalanche. This particular one does have the interchangeable uh, handles. So shoot me an email and I'll get this shipped out to you. Interchangeable. And then a combat rail, and I don't know if it's going to be this specific one. Um, I get the random number generator going. I can't remember what length it's going to be, but I do have a Midwest Industries combat rail. Midwest has been a great friend of mine. I do a lot of their install videos and stuff like that, so they're super good. And let me just pull up our random number generator, so that way we can pull up that spreadsheet. And then I got to, like I said, give love to our Patreons as well. And that would be question five, which is Michael T. Michael T. 
uh, I have a combat rail for you. So here's the deal, guys. You do have a limited period of time. You should be watching the show. You have 30 days to claim your prize. Uh, I try to, you know, reach out to people, but uh, sometimes it's a little tough to to go from there, you know, like to track everybody down and things like that. So hopefully you should be watching and then know that you have claimed your prize. So Michael, Michael T, you win a combat rail and go from there. Yes, I agree. Blow that like up. 30 viewers and eight likes. And obviously as we get going, um, you know, I want the live stuff to grow. And usually these get, you know, a little bit of views and whatever. But yeah, somebody else hit like. I appreciate that. Now we're up to 19. So guys, I think that's going to do it. We'll wrap up. Uh, like I said, I really appreciate everybody who does tune in live. I always appreciate the viewers as well who can't make it, who catch up on the podcast. You guys are, like I said, the inner circle of my viewers, and I really appreciate it. Um, it's hard to believe uh, you know, how long I've been able to do this, and now I get to do this full time. So, And I know the QA is not like my most profitable video as far as views and ad revenue and all that, but uh, it is uh, something I enjoy being able to connect with you guys and interact and share my knowledge and just kind of hang out for an hour or so every month. I'd like to do more lives as well, um, but it'll just kind of depend on what we have going on and, and things like that. But I wouldn't mind doing, you know, maybe even a bi-weekly or weekly, just quicker uh, live stuff, whatever, just as we kind of get going. You know, as we kind of grow or whatever, I, I can kind of get more things tuned in. I know like Wrangler star, I got to meet him at the Honda event. Uh, he does lives almost every day. Um, and they're just, you know, of him with his phone, whether he's out doing chores or whatever. So maybe I will do some more of that, but uh, I think it should be kind of more consistent. So, but as always guys, if you guys have any questions about anything, feel free to send an email to the email address shown below. That is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. If you want to see your question on the show, or if you have video suggestions, if there's something you want me to cover, or if you have a, a comment or some feedback or suggestions, you can send it to that email address. And I'll always do my best to make sure that we are viewer motivated in what we do. So we want to always take care of you guys. I think uh, that comes up with uh, everything. Hey, Dustin, good to see you. Better late than never. And yes, I did make it back live because I'm not traveling uh, for this one. So great to have you tune in. I'm not sure how long you've been on, but we're just about to wrap up as I got a little bit of a late start as I had some Zoom meetings for uh, other gun meetings and stuff like that run a little bit later. So good to have you check in, Dustin. I appreciate it. Everybody else, thank you again for watching. I do really appreciate it. Have a great day. And uh, oh, you have questions about Wrangler Star. Well, I guess we we um, won't. Well, shoot me a message. Slide into those DMs, as the kids say. But uh, yeah, I got to meet Wrangler Star at the Honda event. Super cool dude. I got to meet him and his wife. We got to go ride in Montana uh, together, which was uh, pretty cool. You know. Well, Pretty cool part of the job, I'm not going to lie. But uh, you can check out that video as well, the Honda Pioneer 1006 video in my off-the-range playlist. All right, guys, it's been over an hour. Uh, I do appreciate it. I really, really do hope all of you have a great holiday season as we wind out our holiday season and we get into the new year. Uh, 2023 is probably going to be um, you know, a bigger year for me. I mean, I went full-time doing this earlier this year, which was kind of crazy to think about. If you would have asked me a year ago, I wouldn't have said that. And, uh, you know... Yeah. And yes, yes, I know only 26 are watching. Yep. I'm not that cool. Like I've said before, jungle pyramid washer. Uh, I'm not that cool of a guy, but you know what? I like hanging out with the people that do watch and interact with me. And 
it is what it is and I'm not going to apologize. So anyways, uh, you guys do me a favor. Please tell people about this. I'm really striving to hit 100,000 uh, subscribers once we can do that. That's just going to open up some more doors. We'll have a 100K giveaway. We'll have a shop tour. Uh, there's, you know, just more that we can do as we grow and it'll uh, allow me to keep doing this full time for you guys. So thank you guys very much for watching and have a great day.